The days grow shorter, the nights grow ever longer, and my socks are now thicker, woollier, and taller. Welcome to The Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. Nearly everyone I know has a story about that time when a bat got in the house. It usually involves some screaming, leather gloves, a towel, sometimes a broom, and then that final sense of relief when the bat is released outdoors and the human retreats back indoors. My first memory of having a bat in the house was one of the earliest times my parents left me home alone. It was early fall, and they were out at a dance class while I was watching TV for the evening. I'm quite sure some beauty pageant was on, and I was half-heartedly watching it and rolling my eyes, most likely. I recognized some dark fluttering in my periphery and noticed what was undoubtedly a bat flying around the living room. It snuggled up on a curtain pretty quickly, where it fortunately remained until my parents got home. Then ensued the leather gloves, towel, and release outside routine. It was no coincidence that the bat found its way inside this time of year, as right now, Maine bats are preparing for winter, and that means many of our species are heading for a sheltered spot to hibernate. There are eight bat species in Maine. Five of them hibernate during the winter, and the other three, categorized as tree bats, migrate south for the winter. The bat I have most seen in Maine is the little brown bat, which is a true hibernator. In late September or October, our hibernating bats enter their hibernation sites. These hibernacula are kinds of Goldilocks sites, where it's warm enough that the bats don't freeze, but cool enough that they can maintain a low metabolism and body temperature. They also must be humid enough that the bats don't dehydrate, and protected enough that they aren't disturbed by predators, noise, or light. These places could be caves, large tree cavities, attics, or similar spots. Little brown bats can migrate 120 miles between their winter hibernacula, where they spend October to April or May, and their summer roosts, much like some summer people I know. This is also the season when bats are breeding at their hibernation sites. They experience delayed fertilization, though, so won't give birth until next spring or summer. As true hibernators, our hibernating bat species experience a body temperature drop from about 100 degrees Fahrenheit to just a few degrees warmer than the air temperature of their hibernaculum. This is accompanied by an extreme decrease in heart rate and is only possible due to surviving off a few grams of stored fat. As a result, waking up from hibernation too early can be deadly as they will likely use up that stored fat when they're awake. If you discover a hibernating bat in your home or garage after October 15th, you should leave it alone until flying insects are available for them to eat in the spring. Another phenology observation we can seek as we enter the spooky season of the year is the increase in bat-related decorations adorning homes and dooryards. Why do people find bats so creepy? According to folklorists, bats don't fit into our usual tidy categories for things, which has intrigued people around the world for millennia. They nurse their young and are furry mammals, but they can't walk around easily and instead fly? It's unusual, and unusual things make us skeptical and suspicious. But my favorite unusual thing about bats is how many flying insects they consume. A little brown bat can eat its weight in insects in a night, a pest control service that has been estimated to save the U.S. agricultural industry $3 billion a year. Unfortunately, since around 2007, White nose syndrome has taken hold of hibernating bat populations in the northeast and central U.S., killing millions of bats. 
As of April 2021, this fungal disease had wiped out over 90% of northern long-eared, little brown, and tricolored bat populations. When I think back to all those stories of people finding bats in their homes, they all happened pre-2007. So rather than vilifying bats this time of year, you could instead consider ways that you can help our struggling bats. The colder, slower-paced season that is upon us is the perfect time to make plans to create more native pollinator gardens so that bats can find more insect food near you, or build bat houses so they have more shelter options year-round. What's spookier than a bat? The billions of mosquitoes these missing bats aren't eating. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.